our presenter is uh, Vincent O'Sullivan, who many of you know, probably. Uh, Vincent used to work in Geary, um, even before I used to work in Geary, so very long time ago. Before um, it was Geary. Before it was Geary, he used to work in Geary. Um, and I Vincent did his PhD in the University of Warwick, and now he's a postdoc in um, Trinity, in, uh, working on the till that was with the Irish Longitudinal Study of Aging. Yeah. What's the tea? <laughs> it was a bit of a stretch. See, most aging studies end with essays, so there's ELSA and there's their other SAS, and yeah. they didn't want that. So they kind of picked letters out from, I think the D comes from longitudinal, and they picked that out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, this is joint work with Arno, who is, uh, as we speak, awaiting a baby to be born. Uh, as myself, so I work in TILDA, which is an ageing study, but this paper isn't about ageing. So this paper is from my PhD thesis. <coughs> it's still in kind of early stages, so there's, there's, the results are uh, kind of bouncing around the place a little bit. Uh, especially over last weekend. Um, so if you have any comments uh, or suggestions to make, that'd be very helpful. So it's all about what do we learn from pilot interventions. Uh, so what we want to look at is whether or not the effects of a pilot intervention on a national or a wider basis are the same as when it was um, piloted. So you might have a scheme running in Cork. Uh, maybe it's something like giving every school an extra maths teacher to go around and teach people who aren't very good at maths. Uh, you go out and you pilot it, and then you decide, well, if it works, should we take it to Limerick or Galway, or should we take it to everywhere? Should we expand to everyone? So there's just a, the talk will be kind of a, a broad discussion of the issues in expanding pilot programs. Um, a lot of them are kind of practical considerations. And then we'll look at a specific case study of the educational maintenance allowance, which up until recently was running in England. Uh, well, it's now stopped, but it's still in the rest of the UK. And that was an example of where they, they ran a pilot scheme, and then later on, given that the pilot scheme was a success, um, they introduced a national scheme. Nobody really knows if the national scheme worked or not. So just to uh, be clear about what I'm talking about, uh, it's kind of a, a tree of what's happening. Uh, you come up with an intervention. Um, it could be this thing, the idea of let's, let's have remedial teachers in schools. You, you try it out on a trial basis. Hopefully, you evaluate it in a um, meaningful way so it's robust. Uh, supposing it didn't work or has a bad effect, um, you could modify it or just bin it. Uh, if it has a positive effect, do you scale it up or roll it out to more people, more places, the entire country? So scaling up seems to be the American way of describing the expansion, and rolling out seems to be the British way. So will it have positive effects? Will it have any effects? And will the effects be the same as the pilot scheme? So this is all to do with the design of good micro policy. So I guess here I'm kind of 
preaching to the choir, but in other settings, everybody else is, is talking about macro policy. I guess uh, we shouldn't really take our eye off the ball just because there's an emergency going on elsewhere. Um, it's also to do with uh, the use of RCTs. So just to clarify, uh, not all randomized controlled trials are pilot schemes. So some RCTs, um, they've no intention of expanding them. Um, so I was asking Orla beforehand about PFL, and there's some intention of maybe bringing it to other places. But uh, some, pilots, some controls trials are, aren't necessarily pilot schemes. Uh, sadly, not all pilot schemes are RCTs or things like RCTs. So I can think of quite a few things in Ireland that started out as a pilot scheme. And people kind of thought, oh, that works, but didn't really investigate it too well, didn't really design it in such a way that it could be investigated. If you weren't going to roll out the RCT, what's the point? Other than allowing us to write the papers? Um, I, that's what I would say as well. Um, maybe there's funding issues, maybe it's just a very, very specific case that they want to look at the regeneration of Limerick. You know, you can't expand that, you know, regenerating Cork. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you. But then you wouldn't need to randomise it, just spend money on Limerick. Well, you'd want to see if they... Uh, you know, do you, what are the two famous estates, the South Hill and Moiras, Mo are the two? So you maybe you try it out in one and not in the other, and if it works in one, then you, you expand to the other. Um, <clears throat> just in a more general uh, comments, um, it's to do with external validity. Uh, so you have these people who are structuralists and another bunch of people who are very much into RCTs particularly in the setting of development economics. And uh, they have all sorts of criticism going back and forth, but one of them is that uh, RCTs, particularly when they're, they're pilot schemes, uh, mightn't have such good uh, external validity. So if, if you have a scheme going on um, in a development setting, some sort of credit bank in some village in India, you try it out in a couple of villages, but will it necessarily work in other villages or in more urban settings? But in general, I think pe people think that uh, RCTs have high internal validity. Um, there are some problems that can happen as people try to get the, the treatment who weren't assigned it, the people in the control group aren't happy, they decide to leave. Um, people behave differently because they know that they're in um, an experiment. And then it also depends on what sort of parameters you want to recover. So medians are, are quite hard to get unless you make certain restrictive assumptions. So why would pilot effects be different from national effects? Uh, well, naturally there's going to be a time lag between a, a pilot scheme and a national rollout. So something that worked during the Celtic Tiger years uh, may not work anymore and, uh, and vice versa. But often administrators don't uh, change the thresholds to take account of inflation or disinflation. There could be differences between the pilot population and the national population. So a scheme which worked in an urban setting, say in Cork, uh, mightn't work when you bring it to Mayo because it's uh, a rural setting. There's differences in information diffusion. So with pilot schemes, people might hear about the scheme more mostly from the scheme administrators. Whereas on a national scheme, you might hear about it 
through a national advertising campaign, um, through word of mouth. There could also be uh, changes in the parameters of the policy. So if you introduce a scheme in Cork, you find out that this extra remedial teacher uh, has substantial benefits. You then bring it to Limerick, and a local politician says, you know, Limerick special, we need two extra remedial teachers. That, that completely changes the, the treatment. So these are, I guess, more practical <coughs> considerations. Yep. Okay. So when you're doing an RCT, everything is very controlled. You track everything you have to track, like how much treatment is being delivered, and everyone's being observed. When you roll out, it's nothing about it. So people actually can have much more flexibility in how much the treatment they deliver. They can do one or ten or none. So they might get sloppy or. Yeah, okay. They get sloppy basically, and the quality of what's being delivered is usually much less when it's a national program versus when it's a pilot program. Okay. On the other hand, though, you, they might learn from the mistakes in a pilot scheme. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it goes both ways, yeah, it's true. Okay, so maybe of more interest to economists would be uh, things like general equilibrium effects. So the market equilibrium might change. So there's a Heckman paper looking at a tuition subsidy in the States where uh, on a partial basis or on a pilot basis the, the scheme had quite a large effect. But then he ran simulations to look at, uh, well, how's that going to change the relative prices of skilled and unskilled labor? And usually market equilibrium will have the effect of dampening the effects of, uh, or reducing the effects of the, the pilot scheme. There could also be social interaction effects. Uh, so this is often to do with how do the people who aren't targeted by the policy, how, how will they change their behavior? So you could have people, um, in the case of uh, a tuition subsidy or a raising of a school minimum age, uh, leaving age, they might then uh, change their levels of education from medium to high in order to signal their work. There could also be changes in norm formation. So people might uh, place a value on a certain behavior by the, the proportion of the population who uh, engage in that behavior. So in that case then, uh, this might amplify the effects when it's brought from a pilot scheme to a national scheme. On the other hand though, peer effects might be local. So it might really matter what uh, people in another part of the country do. It's, it's, it's maybe it's more important about what people do in your area, in your school. But if you're doing it everywhere, if you want Yeah, everywhere. I mean, they'll be affected too. Yeah. Be everywhere. Yeah. Okay, so in general, looking at uh, comparing the effects of pilot schemes and national schemes, we don't find too many examples of people going out and do this, doing this. Uh, it's probably due to maybe the incentives in academia where people don't want to revisit uh, a scheme many years later and see how they're getting on. So it might be considered old hat, but if you do know of um, examples where that's happened, uh, we'd love to know. So looking at a specific example, a case study, is the Educational Maintenance Allowance. So this was piloted and then about five or six years later brought out on a national basis. So it's a conditional cash transfer program. 
Uh, it's for young people in the UK to receive weekly payments for staying in education full-time post-16. So the UK has a big problem with that. And it's, it's sort of, a, I guess, a bribe to keep people in school. It's means tested on household income. So household income has to be less than 30 grand per year in order to be eligible for it. Um, when I was writing this, originally the, the election was going on in the UK, I think to myself, the, the Tories will definitely drop this. And about six months later, they, they did drop it in England. But it has been kept on in Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. Uh, so maybe in, in future years, that might be an interesting experiment. So why did they do it? Um, well, it's because the UK has a very low level of post-16 schooling. It really, really stands out uh, amongst other developed countries. Uh, you could argue that uh, the UK, it's, it's a, a nation of craftsmen, everybody doing apprenticeships so that they don't need to be doing full-time schooling. But even if you add on the apprenticeships for the different countries, there's still a, a pretty big gap. Uh, you could also argue that perhaps the UK has found its optimal level of education and everybody else is over-educated, but I think the, the burden of proof uh, will be on the person trying to, trying to prove that. So we, we don't really have that problem uh, in this, to the same extent. So obviously people who don't uh, continue to leave me services here, they, they have all sorts of problems uh, for them and for society in general, but in the UK it's much more prevalent. That's 90%. 15 to 19? Yeah. Because I don't think 90% do the Leaving Cert. Um, 90% don't do the, the Leaving Cert that we would have done, but there are other types of Leaving Cert. So they're doing the Leaving Cert Applied, or the, I think there was another one as well. Yeah. So the vast, vast majority of people do I, something. Yeah, when I looked at my paper I had last year, it was about 85. It was about 85, okay. Uh, I think they dropped one of them. Uh, so maybe maybe that was it. Um, but regardless of that, I think it's it's pretty clear the UK is quite low levels. So the EMA was introduced um, in the early years of the new Labour government, and they picked certain local education authorities, not at random. So they picked certain uh, LEAs where uh, they had low levels of participation, and. They didn't do this uh, in an RCT setting. They wanted to, but uh, they kind of chickened out at the last minute. So instead, they had to uh, match them to LEAs that were very like the other ones, so ones that had historically low levels of people continuing on. Um, they were generally urban places, but they, they managed to find a rural place. So they tried it in Cornwall, so Cornwall was matched to Devon uh, or uh, Norwich, I think. Um, so the IFS team went out and uh, had a look at this and they found that full-time uh, full education rose by about 5%. And uh, they kept going back to these, uh, these people and they did find it, they, they continued on uh, uh, even to, to A-levels. So they did stick with it. So having evaluated the uh, pilot program, they kept the pilot scheme going. And then in 2004, the national scheme started. Okay, so how are we going to go about this? Uh, we're going to use differences and differences uh, to evaluate the effects of the pilot scheme just to make sure that our estimates are similar to what the previous literature got. Um, we're also going to look at the national scheme. 
So to evaluate the pilot scheme, um, that's fairly straightforward. You just look at the, the pilot LEAs um, and the controls are the, the rest of England. Uh, to evaluate the national scheme, we're sort of going to go for the mirror image of this. So normally in differences and differences, the control group were a bunch of people who never got something. But we're going to look at it where the control group always had the scheme in operation. So it's a little bit different to what people are used to. Uh, we're going to compare the two sets of results and uh, see what happens. So just to give you the nitty-gritty details, there the pilot scheme actually kind of came in two waves. So there, originally there were 15 LEAs, and then the next year another 40 joined. In 2004, the remaining 150 joined. So an LEA is kind of the size of a local authority. There are quite a few of them. Uh, we'll look at the sort of uh, characteristics of the LEAs um, later on. So it wasn't entirely the case that these were all really crummy places and these were all really nice places. There were some places that weren't so good which were never piloted. Uh, it's targeted the same people, uh, but the pilot scheme initially was a little bit different. They tried slightly different variants uh, originally to see which one would work best. So they they started giving uh, much more tapered amounts, whereas now they just go for three different amounts. In actual practice, the vast majority of people got the full 30 sterling. Uh, it's very hard to go investigate do people fall within particular bands. It's, it's, it costs cost quite a lot. The thresholds, though, um, the threshold to receive anything stayed the same. Um, but there was about five or six years of a timeline between us, and there was inflation was running. So there were relatively poorer people receiving uh, an, e an EMA, but the actual payment they were getting was, uh, in real terms, a lot lower. Uh, so just to give you the idea of the, the scale of this thing, uh, it started out with 14,000 people. Then the next year you had the scheme operating in those pilot areas plus 41 new pilot areas um, which brought up to 73,000 people. Then in 2004-2005, that academic year, the rest of the country gets it and then more years continue to get it. So you get it for two years. You could apply to get it for a third year but that was only in certain circumstances. So eventually it got very big. So you know, you're talking about nearly 650,000 people receiving uh, 30 sterling um, a week during the school year. And as I said, that number is now going to decline. They stopped running it in England, and they'll, they'll keep, but they will keep it on in uh, Wales, Scotland, and Northern Ireland. Okay, so just to reiterate that point um, about the real thresholds. Uh, so the, the payments remained the same nominally but inflation was running throughout that period, and also the threshold to receive anything, uh, that stayed the same. Okay, so just to discuss briefly enough the uh, previous evaluations. Uh, so this was the, the IFS team, they were able to, um, well, they, they were paid to do this, so they, they rang people up in the different control areas and they, they had a large data set with uh, thousands of people in it. So they got nine pilot areas, they matched them up with uh, nine control areas that were 
similar kind of macro characteristics. And then they, um, they just simply looked look at the differences in participation. So it was about 5%, 4%, uh, depending on gender. They didn't find any differences between renters and household owners, which they, they took to be a sign of um, not being due to financial constraints. Uh, other people in IFS uh, looked at administrative data, which is what I'll be doing. Uh, but this was on a, a more of a macro level. And they found that the pilot scheme had about uh, you know, 2%, 3% effects. That's the average treatment effect as in on everybody uh, in an area. But the average treatment effect on those who were eligible or who, who was aimed, um, you know, the upper bound of that was you know, 5%, 7%, depending on, on gender. So relative to where they're starting off from, so the participation rates were quite low, maybe in, in pilot areas 65%, you're adding another 5% onto that. So it, it's, it's a reasonably large effect. So this is, uh, uh, myself and Arno have shown, we've got uh, aggregate data. And this plots um, participation rates over quite a long period. So the guys up here, this is the rest of England. So they didn't have the pilot scheme. Then they got the, the national scheme in 2004. The pink parts, uh, they're the pilot areas. Um, they originally got it in uh, 1999 or 2000. And um, that, that's what happened later on. So we see the pink is always lower than the, um, the other color and the blue. We see, if you maybe look at the first third of the, the diagram, there was a common trend. So if we're doing differences and differences, we want to, um, we make that assumption that there was a common trend. Um, beforehand, there, there seemed to be, even though there is a, a shift, there is a gap. Um, then the pilot scheme comes along. So these oversized dots are when I observe it in my micro data. Uh, so the oversized dot there, that's the uh, pilot scheme coming in in 99. These guys don't get it, these guys do. So this is much steeper than that there. So there definitely was a, a, an effect there. Um, then you get the national scheme coming in. So the pink people always had the, uh, the scheme in operation. It's the blue areas didn't, and it was introduced in 2004. So in my microdata, I can <coughs> observe from 2002, and then I observe 2007, so before and after the national implementation. Uh, it's difficult to say what's, what's going on. Uh, both lines are sloping upwards, um, but the slope of each are kind of similar. So it'd be difficult to argue from that picture that the national rollout had an effect. Uh, this diagram comes with the health warning, though that's, uh, I couldn't disaggregate between pilot areas and non-pilot areas for London. So London's obviously very important. Uh, you know, it's a big part of the, of the UK and England, uh, so we weren't able to do that. Why, is, why, why are these uh, sloping upwards both together? Um, was there some sort of change in policy, some sort of change in the environment that affected both the pilot areas and non-pilot areas? Um, we've had a look at New Labour's other policies that were going on at the same time, so the WFTC, uh, introductions of minimum wage, but we, we think the most likely one is that there was a, a rise in the youth unemployment rate 
around the time of the introduction of the national scheme. So the youth unemployment rate was always about 20%. Um, it started rising well before the current crisis. Uh, we think that could be down to competition from migrant workers from accession states. So 16, 17 year olds, they're going to be doing um, low skill jobs, working at McDonald's, that sort of thing. Uh, the accession states come in around then, I think, and it starts creeping up uh, year by year. So there could be some sort of uh, safe haven effect going on in the, the mid 2000s. That's 20%. Up to 30%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The scale doesn't really uh, do it justice. So that, that's what we think is going on there. But we'll, we'll talk about the other uh, possibilities later on. Uh, so this was based on uh, macro data, on the aggregate data there. Um, we go to micro data, which is the uh, youth cohort study. Um, it's all England and Wales, but we got rid of Wales. Um, they have a slightly different academic system and we, we didn't really want to conflate the two. Um, the reason we picked YCS is one of the few microdata sets that picked up the pilot scheme. So very few, uh, we don't know of any other data set that was picking up that um, pilot scheme. Uh, it's longitudinal data, so in theory we could go off and look at later outcomes, not just continuing on at 16, but continuing on at 17, 18. Um, there's a serious, serious attrition problem, and it's not random. So it's generally the smarter kids who stay in school are the ones who answer the survey later on. So we, we're not doing that for the moment. Um, and we got special permission to identify uh, local education authorities. So that was probably the biggest reason. Uh, so we, we have YCS before um, any of EMA was in any, of, any part of the country. We've ICS 11 when it was in the pilot's uh, areas only and not in the rest of England. And then we've ICS 13, which we got in advance of its uh, public release, where um, EMA is in operation in the entire country. Okay, so we're going to compare the jump from there to there with the jump from there to there in participation. Uh, just the geographic spread of the pilot LEAs. Um, so Southwest, which is generally quite a prosperous enough place, it's kind of rural, um, there was only one LEA there, which is Cornwall. Um, so Cornwall actually has quite a, a problem with rural poverty, and uh, they, they, had, they, they really wanted to look at that. The East Midlands, I think that was Lincolnshire. West Midlands, uh, places like Coventry. Uh, London, quite a few inner city um, London boroughs. Um, it was interesting that originally they wanted to do a randomized controlled trial um, within London. At the very last minute they pulled out. So that, that didn't happen. There's East Anglia and then there's other parts of the southeast. So that's very wealthy parts. So this wasn't happening in places like you know, Hampshire or places like that. But we still do have quite a, uh, <coughs> quite a few LEAs in, in uh, not, so, not so great areas. So the north where you have most of um, the low participation, but you still you still do have non LEAs or sorry non pilot LEAs who are affected by that. Uh, so the proportion eligible for free school meals. So free school meals is commonly used as a, a marker of deprivation in a local education authority. Um, 
the national average amongst the non-pilot LEAs is about 13% of people. And amongst the pilot areas, it's 25. So it's, it's a good quarter. But there's a, a decent amount of variability there. So there are some non-pilot LEAs who have high levels of uh, people eligible for free school meals. Okay, so just to look at some uh, descriptors before um, we look at the results. Uh, so in the original pilot areas, the father's less likely to be present. Uh, the mother's, it, it's pretty much the same. Uh, father is less likely to be working. Uh, mother's less likely to be working. Much more ethnically diverse. Uh, their attainment is lower and their staying on rates are lower. Okay. So then we went out and estimated um, the average treatment effects of the pilot scheme and of the, the national rollouts. We just did it uh, with the outcome being whether or not the person was present in school in the spring after the, um, in the spring of the non-compulsory year, the first non-compulsory year. Uh, so we had a you know, time dummy, a uh, uh, status dummy, whether or not they were affected by a change in policy and then the interaction of the two. We had controls for, um, uh, sorry, we, we split by gender. We had controls for whether or not they attained um, certain grades in their GCSE. So the upper part of this uh, slide is, looks at the, uh, the average treatment effect of the pilot scheme. We don't find an effect on males. So this is not just males who are eligible, but all males. We do find an effect of about 4%, which is similar to what the, the other people find for, for women. For the rollout, the actual estimates are very close, kind of spookily close, but the uh, standard errors are bigger, so that they're not significant. So we don't find an effect of the rollout, but this is just an average treatment effect. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, so they, it's kind of, it's mixed, but it's not really jumping out at you. It's weaker, I think, maybe that's the, well, it's, it's not, on its own, individually, it's not significant. I know what, what you're... Yeah, I just, I just, having just the one result yeah. seems to suggest that, you know, it works in pilot, but it didn't work in rollout. I don't know what the difference in pilot and rollout. Maybe that's just a presentation. Okay, okay. Um, when we play around with the data a little bit when we uh, look through uh, perhaps miscoding. So there might be some people in non-pilot areas who claim they're receiving the, the EMA during the pilot scheme. When we look at people who say they're, um, that they're claiming EMA but they're not in school, when we get rid of those people, uh, this, this, this number gets a lot bigger, but that doesn't happen down here. Uh, so it's... Uh, such as um, parental characteristics. So we, we do that a little bit later to look at the uh, effects on eligible people. 
Uh, but generally speaking, the, the pilot scheme is much more ro robust. That, that, that estimate doesn't go away, whereas this, it's just quite unclear. Can you pull the pilot from all that? Because they're no different. And then do lots of it. Yeah, we could do that, yeah. yeah. Then you might get significant. Yeah. That's a lot of interaction terms in there. Uh, yeah, I tried doing that, yeah. Yeah, it's, it seems to be the girls, and it seems to be the girls who did better in their exams, their GCSE exams. Okay, so we want to specifically look at the people who were eligible for EMA. Unfortunately, YCS doesn't uh, record household income. So we could look at households characteristics and just assume it. So where there's no one working in the house, we assume that they're eligible. We assume that the, um, the household income is less than 30 grand. Um, whether people are working, we went off to LFS, the estimated uh, wage equation. Uh, we fitted in the parental characteristics and then we sort of generated a yes, no, are they eligible? Um, it seems to perform quite well, so I'll show you that in, in a moment. Um, it is a bit dirty. People don't really like it. We've, we've yet to bootstrap it, so we'd, we'd like to do that. Um, I guess it's not a million miles away from IV. You know, you're using a, a fitted thing to, to go out and estimate a, a, a second stage. It's just using a different data set, which I think people don't like. Uh, so how, how well did we do using this method of estimating eligibility? Um, we see that the original pilot areas, people are more likely to be eligible. Eligibility was falling over time because the threshold remained the same over time in nominal terms, so less, fewer people would be, uh, would be eligible. Before EMA, nobody, um, nobody was receiving it. That's, that's okay. So in YCS9, YCS9, nobody receiving it. In the pilot areas in YCS 11, uh, half of people were. In the pilot area, so in the rest of England, during the pilot scheme, we've had five or six percent of people claiming to be receiving EMA when they shouldn't be. Uh, they could have moved LEA, so the, our measure of LEA is based on the school that they went to uh, to do their GCSEs. They could have switched uh, county or, or border. So they're a little bit worrying. Um, we, 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 do later on see if our results are um, uh, conditional on how those people are coded. Uh, we've got some people who are not eligible but receiving, but it's still, it's still small enough numbers. And then we have some people who are eligible but not claiming, but that they're a pretty small group of people. So we reckon we don't do too bad, but we think we could, we could bootstrap this to make it better. Okay, just to look at the um, descriptors of the eligible people, these are pretty much like the um, descriptors of everybody, except uh, everybody's a whole lot less well off. Uh, so father's much, much less likely to be around, much less likely to be working. It's, uh, that's around about the same, actually, in terms of ethnic diversity. Um, and their attainment is far lower. So these numbers were up to, um, say, 70%. So these are, if you like, poor kids living in rich areas.
Okay, these are these are the the algebra people. We, we might look at those. Um, okay, so this is the average treatment effect on the treated people. Um, this time we split by their attainment. Uh, so five five uh, A star C GCSEs. It's like doing a good junior cert. In quite a few LEAs, your school won't let you stay on if you don't get it. But it's it's quite a modest target. It's it's not particularly high achieving. Uh, we see no effect of the pilot or the rollout on these lower achieving people. So no matter how much you pay them, they're, they're not going to continue on, possibly because they're not being allowed to, to continue on. However, of the, the medium or higher achieving people, we do see an effect for, um, for girls uh, of about 6%, um, give or take, and 8% in the rollout. So we are finding some effect on the rollout. So in the treaties here, are they the people who are eligible or the people who actually get it? Um, it's intention to treat, yeah. People who are eligible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, could, we could play around with how we code eligibility. Um, these people who, who seem to be receiving when they shouldn't be receiving it or, or vice versa. Um, these start getting stronger. These sort of stay the same. So we, all, we always have that effect for, for girls. We can't really get an effect for boys anyway. We, we don't see it. So it, it is a reasonably large effect. Um, I've got a, a dummy for the government region so that they're quite large. So there might be north, uh, west, south. So LEAs will be within that. Uh, we've, we've got a before and after dummy, so this is the interaction of those. Okay, so no trends. No trends, no. Well, we've only got two, two points in time as well, so. Uh, we also tried doing this with uh, triple difference, so this would involve using the people who weren't eligible, but that's kind of sneaking in the assumption that the people who weren't eligible didn't be change their behavior. Uh, here we find um, an effect of the pilot scheme. Um, we don't really find effects of the rollout, but we're, uh, we're, we're currently rethinking whether or not we really want to do uh, uh, differences and differences and differences. Again, if we, we, we play around with um, certain discrepancies in the data, these effects get stronger. These effects don't really get much stronger. Okay, so then uh, we've also looked at other results. Uh, so if EMA was just pulling people out of apprenticeships, that wouldn't necessarily be such a good thing. Uh, we don't find that, that that's going on for apprenticeships. Uh, for these people who are NEETS, so these are not in education, employment, or training. Um, these are the people that I guess they'd, they'd like to target. We don't really see an effect for them. We do see people being pulled out of employment. Perhaps that's not um, such a bad thing, given that the, the sort of jobs they might be doing might be quite short-term jobs where they're not picking up skills. Um, what we'd like to look at specifically is the effect of the national rollout in less well-off areas. So these are the um, poor kids who weren't treated by EMA to start with and got in the national rollout. So the national rollout was largely treating 
poor kids in rich areas, but we want to see the poor kids in poor areas to see, to see um, the effects on those people. Um, we're also going to have a look at um, special edition of LFS to confirm the story using income data. Unfortunately, we'll be missing an, EM, uh, an EMA identifier with that. But I think if we could go to a second data set and get a similar story, I think that would um, really help things. Okay, so why would the effects of the have been different? Um, the pilots are disproportionately lower participation areas. Um, you made a greater effect on lower achieving students. Um, so the non-pilot areas, those poor kids in rich areas, uh, they have a different peer group. So maybe their, their social norm is different. Uh, what, what they aim for is different. EMA became less generous over time. Um, and there was interaction with other policies. Uh, we, at the moment, we don't think this change in um, WFTC, which is sort of a child allowance tied to your, your tax bill. We don't think that had an effect. And the minimum wage didn't seem to be biting. So it didn't seem to be the effects of the minimum wage being different in the pilot areas and the non-pilot areas. Um, the pilot, uh, sorry, the rollout was much better advertised. So if you've been to cinema in the UK last couple of years, you'll, you'll definitely see an ad for this um, playing before, before the movie. And it sort of standardized the application process. And so this was kind of your point. Um, they, they used the operational information that they learned from the pilot scheme. So some of the pilot schemes, um, they paid the money to the parent rather than the child. And that didn't seem to work as well as giving it straight to the child. So maybe it's a, it's a matter of the child feeling, feeling independent. Um, there were differences in the frequency. Do you give people every two weeks or every week? Um, and there was bonus payments. So if you, it's not doing well in your exams. If you sit your exams, you get a bonus at the end of the year. Um, so the amount of that was, was varied, and they went with the one that seemed to work the best for the national scheme. Uh, so just to conclude, um, what we're not saying, uh, we're not saying we don't like pilot schemes. What we are saying is that if, if you're going to run a pilot scheme, um, you have to think about um, fiscal sustainability. So could you, in several years' time, run the pilot scheme on a much larger basis. Sorry, it's this one. Whoops. Um, okay, so I think I'll kind of wrap it up with that. Great. Uh, so we'll have questions now. Yeah. Is there any questions? Thank you. So the main outcome is that the pilot scheme is going to be used for participation. Yes. Um, and you wonder, you know, if the kids, right, I think if that you bribe to stay on basically doctors, then First of all, it's maybe a bit of a waste Yeah, yeah. And also, for the kids who were going to stay on... It could be disrupting them having... So there could be capacity problems going to the schools. I mean, letters from the newspaper have to go by. That was an issue. I've seen people complain, uh, kids complaining about that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it didn't seem to be the worst kids, the, the kids who kind of hang out in the street corners. It was kids who were willing to go in jobs. But yeah, they, they mightn't be the most... Uh, Academically orientated. So you need to look at the the A levels. Yeah. For both groups. For both groups know. to see was there a negative effect. So we could do that with LFS. I'm I'm kind of less optimistic about doing that with YCS because mm -hmm. of the iteration. But that's that's a good idea.
Yeah. And what, what's the opportunity cost? So it's 30 pounds per week. 30 pounds per week, yeah. Yeah, there was the minimum wage brought in at the time. So yeah. how much less would they be earning if they stayed in school? Okay. Is it like there's a big difference? I guess. Like I'd, I'd need to calculate that, but you'd need to do it over the lifetime as well. Yeah. So um, yeah. their improved earnings later on. Yeah. At the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay, um, well, I think these ATE estimates are, are what they are if they're just looking at the, the average group. But when we actually go out and get look at eligibility, so we're fitting eligibility based on those characteristics that we can observe. Uh, but yeah, you are right that the control group in, uh, say, the rest of England that wasn't treated by the pilot, that their, their peers might be different, their schools might be better. Um, so what we'd like to do is look at uh, control students in areas that were very similar to the, the original pilots. Or, you know, like, uh, what, what about the idea of the regression discount community? Is that you, you, you're not relying on the control group in a different area? You're just in the same area looking at the income discount Yeah, so we, uh, myself and Aaron were talking this morning about getting LFS, which does have household income data. And if we apply for an LEA identifier, in that case, we could do it. And we could also look at the, that there is tapering with the in, in EMA. So 20 grand is to get the full 30. Yeah, your, your in-council income must be less than that. So yeah, that, that, that's uh, good, worth looking at, yeah. Would, would, work. would work. I mean, was there, was there any prior explanation as to why the rates of participation were so low in Britain? Um, it's a very, this policy is very new labour. Um, so it, it really fits in with the things that they brought in the, in the late 90s. I, I guess they did think that it was um, credit constraints. Um, but I suppose they ran the pilot in order to, to see. Um, the pilot evaluation came out saying that no, it wasn't really about credit constraints, it was something else. There is some qualitative work, I'll have to go back and check it. Um, personally, I think it might be to do with something like the young person feeling in, independent and feeling that school is like a job that they get this money for. Um, but that's just a, a personal opinion. I need to go check that. The AT is microdata. What's the uh, It's just that graph. Oh, okay. That one. Okay. Within the area. Or the, um, rate or the um, 
verbalizing in the group. So what they're kind of their reference, yeah, yeah, okay. It's just an additional control for the quality of the districts over there. So kind of LEA level controls. Yeah. 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 Yes. They're not significant. Yeah. Um, the staying on rates for males are a whole lot lower than they are for women. So uh, maybe you'd think that they've, in some sort of uh, decreasing returns thing, that the effect should be bigger. On the other hand, maybe, maybe it's just something else. Maybe it's a kind of job culture thing that's going on. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. So they, they won't be getting jobs on building sites and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a good point. Can you just remind me again, what, what motivated the choice of the original pilot area? They, did, they didn't do this at random, so they, they did pick areas uh, where they felt this was, uh, could be justified because there was, there was a problem um, with, uh, with, with staying on. So if, if, suppose there is an effect, yeah. if, if the effect is, is not linear, it's concave, Yeah. So you, once you go beyond a certain level of well, the, the, yeah. So the group that are being treated in the pilot scheme. Yeah. Those where the marginal product of giving them money in terms of staying on, it's always going to be higher. Yeah. Than the second group. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The, I, there are enough LEAs out there that are like the other ones that are quite poor and have high levels of deprivation that w we could do a, a sub analysis just to see that. Well, that that yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll use the free school meals indicator for that, yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. Last question. Okay, yeah. Why would you use um, free school meals as a control for eligibility? You know, it, as in, when you're predicting eligibility, you don't include free school meals? Uh, so the free school meals is an aggregate measure. So it's oh, the proportion... I'm pretty sure we don't because it's done, uh, the study is done in the year after they've, they've uh, left compulsory schooling. Oh, so so, so they, I'll see, do they ask retrospective questions, but that, that would be great if, if, if they had it, but I don't think it's there. Okay. Okay, so no other questions, that's fine. All right, cheers, thanks. Yeah.